Hello, Adulting Well listeners. This is Pepper, a.k.a. Joshua, a.k.a. Pepper, here to tell you about Anchor. So we used to host our podcast on another service, and we had this show for maybe three or four years at this point. And we got some metrics and things, but we didn't have a lot to do with them. And we recently switched over to Anchor. And what's amazing about it is it has all the metrics for the show. So you can see, you know, how many downloads you get and things like that. But it it also lets you engage with the audience uh, in ways that our old service couldn't. So, for instance, we can have polls. We can ask listeners to uh, leave us messages and questions and things like that. And we can uh, put them on the air super easily and answer those questions. Just uh, that's just one example. But there are just a lot of different ways that we can um, engage with you now that we're using Anchor. So uh, this is our first ad, and it's for this service that we're using to provide this podcast to you. And I think it's uh, actually a really, really good service. Um, And if you have a podcast, I recommend it. You can download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Uh, Thanks for uh, pausing with me for a second. Now back to the episode. Adulting Well podcast. I'm your co-host Joshua, and I'm joined as always by your co-host Kevin. And today we have a who I consider a social enterprise uh, pioneer, Doctor, or excuse me, Father Greg Boyle from Homeboy Industries. And we're super excited to have you. Um, I've also been involved in social enterprise, primarily working with uh, formerly incarcerated and recovering addicts uh, over the last twenty years. And you my friend, are a huge inspiration to me. So I'd like to just start right at the top and ask you, how did you get involved in helping gang members change their lives? Well, uh, it's good to be with both of you. I I started during the time I was pastor of an extremely poor parish in Los Angeles called Dolores Mission, and we had eight gangs at war with each other. So it was hard to avoid that issue, and I was starting to bury kids in 1988, so first thing we started a school, and then we started a kind of a job placement program, and then we couldn't find enough employment, so we we started uh, businesses, first with Homeboy Bakery, and... But that's so, uh, that's so, um, that's so getting to the, the progress you made, like, initially, like, were you just working with these kids and thought, I got to do something to figure out how to help them? Or like, how does the initial kind of spark happen? Well, I was pastor of a parish. And so, um, so I didn't see being pastor as uh, kind of a, a Sunday thing. Right. And, uh, and my parish was comprised of two contiguous, uh, large public housing projects. And uh, which was not typical to have eight gangs in, you know, projects like that. Mm-hmm. Normally you'd have one, but we had eight. Wow. So um, that's kind of. It sounds like so you're just taking your once, work once seriously. Once you have shooting morning, noon, and night, it, it kind of, uh, you go, well, what are we going to do about this? Mm-hmm. 
that yeah and, I, and I think... the school was the first thing because we had so many junior high age gang members who uh, were wreaking havoc in the middle of the day because they had been given the boot from their home school nobody wanted them so we uh, had to kind of deal with that so in your day-to-day you would you know i imagine you would see these kids and when you talk to them did you feel like they wanted alternatives did you feel like like they did they did not like the direction they were going in or and they just didn't have opportunities in front of them well every kid any gang involvement is is always about a lethal absence of hope so nobody mm-hmm. has ever met a hopeful kid who joined a gang mm-hmm. so they they didn't have hope and yet they're human beings with unshakable goodness and uh and they have had to carry more than the average person so um and they respond like any human being to attention and notice and tenderness Mm -hmm. and so they responded you know um i I think once once you can offer hope and, and to folks for whom hope is foreign it's a compelling it's a good offer it is I think one of the things that most interests me about your your work and the work of Homeboy is that specific aspect of it. Um, I'm, you know, personally, like I mentioned, I've been involved in social enterprise as well for uh, almost 20 years. But the reason for me and the impetus for me to get involved in it is my own sobriety and my own interactions with the criminal justice system here in Northern California um, and it's been a tremendous opportunity for me to learn about myself and to give back to the community that was surprisingly kind to me, given my um, lack of sort of uh, respect for the laws. Um, but I want to say, too, I think it's something that gets missed in the in the rehabilitation and recovery worlds is that piece that you're talking about where you give the opportunity for people to not only – you know, find obviously work and skills that they can take anywhere in the world, but you give them the opportunity to be loved for the first time. And I think um, in many cases for the first time and feel like they're a part of something greater. Um, And I kind of wonder a little bit around how you have developed that approach, uh, especially given the, the individuals, the, the humans that you work with. I mean, um, obviously spending time in even county jail and especially in, in being involved in gangs can sort of harden you in a way that um, many people don't have, uh, you know, sort of an understanding of because they don't experience it in their own lives. So what kind of developed your approach around that? Um, I mean, obviously your faith, but, you know, what, what was the kind of the thing that w- when the light turned on for that approach? Well, I don't think it's any kind of magic formula. I mean, I, I'm, I'm against the notion of that this is kind of uh, a job for the rarefied and the specially trained and the, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't really believe in that stuff. You yeah. know, I believe more in uh, just basic human tenderness and attention and and that's all people want. And so, but we, we get this weird thing, you know, where we disqualify ourselves mm. because we think only gang members can deal with gang members. Right. right. And, and, and yet it's really about human contact and people, um, you know, anybody with a proud, the proud owner of a pulse <laughs> is going to be able to be a beneficial presence because 
it's not about talking or yakking or reaching that person. It's never about that. And since it's not about that, then it's, it's not about how much do you know? What's your experience? Where have you been? Can you really talk to them about your experience? No, it's never about that. Fortunately <laughs> for us, it's never about that. That is fantastic. It's, it's, uh, it's about, oh, can you be reached by people? So you don't go to gang members to kind of reach them. Right. You go to gang members and you say, well, I'm going to allow myself to be reached by you. And just that act, which turns everything on its head, you know, people in, you're in saying, inhabit their you're, own you're saying You're saying to go in with the approach of not like, I'm going to affect this person, but can I allow them, can I allow myself to be affected by them? Or can I? Yeah, I don't think. I don't think we go to the margins to make a difference. We go to the margins so that the folks at the margins make me different. And there's something about that process that allows everybody to inhabit their own nobility and dignity. Uh, But we we got that wrong. You know, we kind of think it's about, well, I'm going to go to the margins and and the margins will be better because I went there. Right. Or I, I will alter things, or I will reach them, or I will save lives. I will rescue people. Gosh, it's so funny. And it's, I think it's, uh, when we started, all that stuff is wrong-headed. Yeah, absolutely. When we started the show, we didn't really have a, a, a real theme other than we want to talk to people who are doing cool, good stuff. And it seems like the theme that ties everybody together is uh, you don't need to be an expert, or like you said, people disqualify themselves to just go make a difference. You just go do it. Yeah, I think. And it's not even about doing. It's about receiving. Mm. Mm. You know, because people will, we have 300 volunteers and they they come to us first and they'll, so what am I going to do here? And I always (laughs) say, no, what's going to happen to you here? That feels like a better place to start. You know, the doing will work itself out. You'll find something to do. but Yeah. But you want to begin with in, a, in another place, which is, you know, the place where you, uh, you know, can receive right from people. So how? I mean, it's really interesting because this is such a, you, you know, in in many in and I will, you can't see my quotation marks, obviously. In in the expert opinion, it's like you get trained, you learn how to sort of deal with people that are, as you very clearly mentioned, at the margins. Um, and then you go out and you do all this good work. How does Homeboy um, institutionalize this? I mean, and really, I, I, you know, it's, it's not revolutionary from a history standpoint, but in terms of, like, treatment modality and how sort of this change is affected, a lot of people are still really of the opinion that you go with an intent and you fulfill that intent, right? Um, but how do you sort of institutionalize this, This, you know, in many ways, much of the learnings reversed, you know, version of this? I mean, where you're, basically the idea, it sounds to me like, is you show up and you show up to receive whatever is there for you to receive. And as you said, the doing works itself out. How does Homeboy as an organization sort of institutionalize this thinking? Well, you know, everything is trying to nurture, you know, a community and a culture of tenderness, you know. So um, 
that's compelling. You it know, is. tenderness is also the the highest form of spiritual maturity. So you want to invite people to be anchored in that kind of thing so that you can, um, you know, it, it's kind of our strategy. It's our methodology with people. And it's it's completely winning because it's completely foreign. Otherwise, you know, love is the answer, but it, it can, if it just stays in your head or your heart or the air, it, it doesn't become connective tissue. Hmm. But then it does with tenderness, and it's in the context of community. Hmm. I think that's our secret sauce at Homeboy is, is a community of tenderness. Yeah. Otherwise, it, it's, you just reduce it to the delivering of services, and everybody right. delivers the same services. You know, anger management and parenting, and huh. you know, twelve-step uh, programs, and or whatever it is. Right. But but you know, it's the context, and and we're in a a world and a society that values content over context. Hmm. You know, they want to. Mm-hmm. So what's the what's the plan? What's the training? What's the you know the preparation? What's our ten point? You know. Um, list of things right. that we want to communicate in terms of content. But the most important piece is always the community of tenderness where people feel welcomed and received. Right. So I, I have a, a more, I guess, you know, and this comes from a personal place for me because having, you know, done work with people for a fair amount of time myself and feeling oftentimes extremely connected, um, to, you know, and certain employees just do it to you for whatever reason. Like there's people that I work with that have, that I feel really strong connections with. And when they depart for whatever reason, whether it's because they're moving on to another job and it's a a better situation for them for, 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 you know, long-term, or if it's because they've returned to using or criminal activity. I mean, I guess, how do you separate yourself from that? Or do you, and if you don't kind of what's your process for for grieving that that loss well i you know it's not about me so (laughs) as soon as it's not about me then then you don't really then success is not sort of a thing it's the same as the sponsor sponsee thing right in some ways yeah i mean i feel like i get attached to that that as well but no, that's a that's a you know. I've, I've, but it, the only reason the only reason people burn out, you know, is because it's it, they've allowed it to become about them. Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And so, if it's about saving people, and if it's a tally sheet of of success stories, mm-hmm. well, then you're going to burn out when you when when it gets too much, you know, because right. then it's all about gathering and accumulating. And, um, so I don't do success or failure. I don't do disappointment. I don't do, you know, you, you try to do as best you can in terms of loving, being loving. Um, I can see why, uh, you know, I can see why Kevin was nervous about this call. You're a Jedi master. (laughs) I'm going to need three or four hours with you to figure out my life. Is that okay? (laughs) Hardly. (laughs) I think. I mean, I just left my office, and I, you know, so it it was just absolute 
everybody wants something, you know, yeah, and it's course. hard to do and everybody's demanding and everybody's, uh, you know, he went ahead of me and what's up with that. And, and so, you know, you, it's hard because you, um, you don't want to lose your center. No. But, you know, I've been doing this a really long time. So, you know, when people come in and bullshit you, you know, and you kind of go, no, I don't have time for that. Yeah. You know, and, and so, you know, it's like cut to the chase. You can do it. Right. Arnold Schwarzenegger you know, said, uh, you, 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 don't, you don't have to, to sweet talk me or you don't have to kind of convince me or pummel me, you know. Right. Just, just you know. I think that, I think that's one of my toughest filters is is at times cutting through the the BS and just like hey what's the what are you trying to get to here bud like I don't need to hear the 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 prerequisite st- sob story like what's the what's the thing you want cuz I'll allow myself to just sit there and listen and you know and it's like oh god do I really do, do, is this good for either one of us at this point you know and and yeah um I think hearing that is is uh is makes me a little feel a little bit better well, about I mean, doing you, the cut to the chase. You begin the day as a better listener than, uh, you know, as I'm trying to get out of the office to be able to um, talk to you guys, you know, it's like, you know, then you're getting less and you're getting more frazzled. Right. Um, but, you know, welcome to the human race. <laughs> <laughs> so but I want to roll back just a bit because we talked about the beginnings of Homeboy and kind of what was the, the need that was being um, sort of not met in the community that is obviously now being met in a really, truly magnificent way. Um, what, what, what started you on your path? Like how, how did you, how did you end up in this as a pastor? Yeah. Well, just everything like the, But more than that, like really, and you know, and I, this isn't about judging other people of faith, but really like embracing your faith in a way that was truly Christian and like wanting to be part of, you know, obviously there was a deep desire there to like, to, to, to sort of feed this like spiritual need in people to be together, you know, and, and part of a community, something, I mean, Something set this in motion, I would think. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it just was, this is how you, you were sort of... You came well, out. I mean, I, I'm a Jesuit priest, so I was educated by Jesuits, and I felt drawn to them because of their palpable sense of hilarity and joy. Yeah. And then that was also during the Vietnam War, so it was they were very much... Uh, I mean, Daniel Bergen was wanted by the FBI, so I thought... Yeah, that's what I want to do. You know? <laughs> I want to. I want to laugh and be wanted by the FBI. So it was prophetic, married to joyful laughter. Yeah. So I like that. So I, I joined the Jesuits. I've been a Jesuit for forty-seven years. I've been a priest for, I guess, thirty-five. Yeah. And then I went to Bolivia, which kind of turned me inside out. And can you talk about and, that a little where bit? You would, well, you know, where you were kind of evangelized by the poor, you know, so, mm. so you know, it's the widow, orphan, and the stranger who who know what it's like to have been cut off, and so then suddenly they become your trustworthy guides. So when I came back, after I got sick, I came back to the country, and I was supposed to I was being assigned to Santa Clara University, but it wasn't enough for me. So I begged my provincial, please send me to to work with the poor. 
And so, that by, as luck would have it, they needed a pastor at, at Dolores Mission. And I spoke Spanish. So that was just marriage. That's not luck. You said, I want to work with the poor. Like, that's powerful, you know? I mean, you asked to do it. You know, you, you felt like you had to. But it was also luck because, hmm. uh, as luck would have it, you know, they, uh, they needed a... Uh, you know, they needed a pastor. They didn't mm-hmm. have a pastor. Mm-hmm. And uh, and people didn't last very long here, right. you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and so just as I was kind of uh, groveling about, you know, could I not go to Santa Clara? Nothing against Santa Clara, but they, they needed a pastor. So I ended up being the youngest pastor in the history of the Diocese of L.A. That's how lucky i was you know that's, because it didn't happen yeah you know that somebody that young i was only ordained a couple of years that's amazing so how old were you i was 30 you know two or three maybe oh, wow. so you have um i mean homeboy has really it's really quite uh an organization now i mean you have multiple um multiple uh businesses that are run um obviously with the underlying sort of mission that you've discussed already i mean none of which are easy i was a baker at one point then a screen printer now you know i run a kind of a we have like a it's like a combo sort of uh distributorship for promotional products and we have screen printing and warehousing on site none of these industries are easy that you're working in um how did the how did this sort of come about that this was like the the industries you ended up in or chose because I, I mean on a personal note I don't know if I'd choose screen printing again <laughs> not to make light of it but it's it's hard yeah yeah I mean I all, just about every one of the businesses happened just because of not of some calculation or a business plan it was you know screen printing came because uh, the prisoners, a couple, Reuben and Christina, wanted to uh, quit their day jobs and start a Rodriguez skills uh, silk screening. And I said, well, don't do that. Why don't you start homeboy silk screening? And that's been around now for like 26 years. And Homegirl Cafe was uh, my uh, receptionist. It was just a gourmet cook who started a tiny little storefront restaurant. I said, when you're ready to change the name to Homegirl Cafe, let me know. And and so she did. And then, but everything else was, you know, a bakery because there was an abandoned bakery across the street from our elementary school. So amazing. when somebody offered to help, I said, well, buy the bakery. It's got ovens, let's bake bread. I mean, again, it was, all of these things are the absolute extent of my business plan, which is to say nothing at all. We, <laughs> there was no planning, no <laughs> forethought. Man. Um, a good business at the moment is our uh, homeboy recycling, which is right. e-waste. And, huh. and that's actually, that's one that has grown incredibly. So, um, yeah, I bet. There's so much. And, and, you know, nobody it. saw that coming except that, you know, somebody was 
you know, sometimes that happens where you kind of take over an existing company and then you add our branding. Right. And then suddenly Hewlett Packard wants to recycle their electronic waste with us because there's the feel good factor and they can promote themselves yeah. as, you know, helping in this way. And so, you know, it's a win-win. So how, now how is, is the marketing for homeboy just pretty much word of mouth, like people that love what you do that talk about it. I mean, you have a, a, a pretty great social media presence. Obviously your website looks fantastic. Uh, you speak obviously a lot. Um, watched a, a number of videos. I've got my, my wife is now a fan. So, um, we, uh, we definitely, there's, there's a few, we've got, we've got a few tears. I'm not going to lie. The, the stories about the, 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 the men and women you work with are really, <clears throat> really touching. Um, and you know, obviously there's a connection factor for people with that, um, because they hear these stories and want to feel that love and connection, but what, how, how does the name get out there? What's the, is it? Well, I think of, you know, all of, all of the above, I think we've had a pretty good loyal following and, and talks that I give and, you know, I don't know if we have mastered the social media thing, but we're, you know, we struggle at it. And, uh, and, you know, I think just over the years, I mean, our, our, we're 31 years in now, mm-hmm. but the first 10 years were really marked by death threats, bomb threats, hate mail, great deal of hostility. Why? Not ever from gang, not from gang members, but, but from people oh. who, you know, demonized me for helping the demonized. Hmm. So, so that was kind of astounding in the early years. But then it shifted, and it literally was a paradigm shift from from tough on crime to smart on crime. And once that shift happened, you know, we never really returned to any kind of hostility again. Yeah, and it was a tipping point, and it was, you know, a good thing. Yeah. In fact, I think at the at the moment, it's it's probably the only issue that is bipartisan. Right. You know, in terms of mass incarceration and and second chances and trying to rethink punishment, you know, um, it's, it's, they're odd bedfellows, you know, nobody agrees about anything, but, you know, talk about this issue and, and people are very much in agreement. So that, and that's never happened before. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, with the, the nineties being the tough on crime years kind of, you know, people now at this point with mass incarceration reaching the levels it's at, there's no nobody out there that's not affected by it, at least to the second degree, right? I mean, you either know somebody or you know somebody that's involved in some kind of a situation where they've got a family member incarcerated. And yeah. I think, um, you know, it is an interesting – It's it's, I mean, we could probably spend hours talking about just this issue, obviously, but I think it's really interesting that it has made such a shift and it's such a, a unifying um, topic now. I, I cannot think of anyone really other than people that are specifically angry at maybe a crime that was committed against them 
that is that are really hardcore for like the the like the the situation we're in right now with so many people locked yeah. up. Um, I spoke at San Quentin a couple months ago about um, nonviolent crimes and, you know, and it was for the restorative justice program there. And it really, so I went in there thinking kind of like what we talked about earlier in the interview, like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to like talk to these guys and they're going to feel really good after I'm done. And that's not at all what happened. I sat in the restorative justice circle. I got handed the stone. I spoke in the circle. I also spoke in front of the group. I left fulfilled, not because I helped anyone. They they helped me in ways that mm-hmm. I did not even know were going to happen. The 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 change and the transformation of some of these men, um, even still within the walls of San Quentin, is truly remarkable. And it, I mean, it touched me in a really deep and kind of wanting place that I don't think I knew was there before I got there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see that as sort of like your legacy or homeboy's legacy as well. Like when I watch the talks that you give or I read the stories, the transformational stories on the website, I get that same feeling. Like this is something very special. Um, and because I think the purpose is so clean, you know, and hearing you say it, um, and I've heard you say it in other, other forums as well is really, um, it's uplifting to say like I'm not I'm not here to serve myself I'm here to serve you what like reach you know like I, I'm the one that needs outreach you know and it's just such a, a refreshing um such a refreshing message so I, I want to thank you for that as well I know that you're yeah, super I, tight I, on time too so yeah. I want to be I want to honor that mm-hmm. but I, I think our mm-hmm. listeners that don't know you and you know we get a pretty good amount of listeners and obviously having people on that do a lot of speaking helps us in many ways you know maybe list some ways people can help but also if you don't mind share a transformational story with us about something that you know people maybe have have heard or haven't heard that can kind of connect them to the work. Um, oh gosh. Well, I've written two books uh, with all these stories. Um, I always feel hesitant to, cause then it's, it's, it feels like, you know, success stories, which I, I don't really <laughs> feel very wedded to that notion. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I, uh, I went on a trip recently to Chicago and I had two homies, uh, Jose and Larry, and um, they were enemies. They were from rival gangs. Um, they also were Latino and African American, and and um, both uh, combined, um, you know, had spent a half a century in prison, and. Um, Jose was about 33 and Larry's about 41. And, uh, so we gave six talks there and, um, you know, stayed in a nice hotel and the two of them had to share a hotel room. And of course the thing began with them kind of quiet with each other because they were enemies. And then the racial divide, of course, is, um, you know, a thing born, you know, in prison, that's really quite distinct, you know, Mm -hmm. So, um, so we gave all these talks and then one afternoon, you know, I said, Hey, I'm going to drop you off at the Navy pier, which is in Chicago, big kind of tourist, a lot of shops. And I go buy something for your ladies, you know, 
Mm-hmm. So, um, and your kids. And so I, I later on, this was the day before we left. And, and uh, so they both went to one of those build a bear, build a teddy bear or whatever. You know, <laughs> have you ever seen those stores? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Of course. Yeah, so they they went to it, and so I guess you can kind of you can um, I don't know. It's like so cute. Guy's lady was uh, Jose's lady was a nurse or something. So so they get a little bear, and oh yeah, put a nurse dress on her or something, and and or I can't, there was something like that where they kind of custom made them, and then you could record your voice, <laughs> you know, and then you push the paw. And your voice comes out. So they were, uh, Jose was showing me his for his lady and, uh, and pushes the paw and, and, and it says in his voice, it's him saying, you know, I love you with all my heart, baby. Come here, give me a kiss. So we, I howled after I thought it was hilarious. And oh, do you think my lady will like it? I said, oh my God, she'll love it. So the, the next day, you know, and he was forcing the teddy bear into his little gym bag and zipping it, and, and it was real tight. Every minute he put the thing down, it was, I love you with all my heart. <laughs> and then he went, and it, putting it through the TSA thing, and I love you with all my heart. And then my favorite was, was kind of this, uh, squeeze it to fit in the overhead compartment. Come here, give me a kiss. Well, we were howling with laughter, oh you know, that this thing would be set off uh, every two minutes. So anyway, we're driving home from LAX to homeboy and Jose's in the back seat and he says hey gee you know what the best part of this whole trip was I said no what and he kind of pats Larry on the on the shoulder and he says being being with him so they had gone from enemies and then the the horrible divide that separates the races in a heightened way in prison to kinship to Mm. connection to exquisite mutuality, um, and and it's kind of inevitable. You know, you can kind of take it to the bank. Yeah, and and that's a very gratifying thing mm. that you can't demonize people you know, and all you have to do is yeah, Hang be out. placed in the vicinity of each other, and then that that'll do it. So, and I think that's the. I mean, that story. It's not that's. So, you know, it's funny because you're like, I'm, you know, I don't really want to talk about success. I wouldn't even call that success. It's like being a human being. It's like yeah. giving people the opportunity to be human. And Mother Teresa says we're not called to be successful. We're called to be faithful. Yeah. You want to stay faithful to an approach that's good and true and right and just and, and then stay anchored in that. And I don't care what results are about, mm. you know, yeah. all you want to do is, is love being loving. Yeah. That's hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Oh, man. Agreed. So, um, gosh, I just want to thank you, uh, Father Greg, for coming on. This has been amazing. I didn't know a lot about you. I try not to do too much research cause I want to, I want to learn about the, the guests in the conversation, but, uh, yeah, pretty pretty uh, cool of you to uh, to give us your time today. Yeah, and well, I, again, happy to be with you. I, I you know we obviously we set aside a certain amount of time, but we know how demanding your time is, and your 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 team over there has been just to put it to you, 
they've been fantastic, unbelievably communicative. No, that's that's and I know on, on my end, it, it's difficult when the schedules are busy, but I just want to say like, thank you so much for taking the time to come and chat with us. Uh, you know, I finding, um, people in the world that are, you know, that are, that really are their, their motives are true and coming from a place like you mentioned, yours is coming from a place of being faithful are, you know, your approach is, is working for many people and it's working for people maybe that you don't even know because it, it helps us. Uh, and we're not, we're not in, we're not in homeboy as, you know, as employees or, you know, uh, to be there to, to change anything in our lives. And, and I think that that's, the most important thing about the work is that, uh, you know, we don't know who we're going to affect and the mm-hmm. ripple effects are massive and we feel it here. When I posted, you were coming on, I got a lot of beautiful comments from dear friends about your books. And so I want to plug those as well. There's two books that you've, you've written and many of them are stories of, of people that you've come in contact with at homeboy, as well as there's a very easy place to donate on the website. And so you don't have to feel like you're selling it. I will do it for you. Um, you know, it's the, the work is extremely needed and necessary. And what's the website? Um, it's homeboy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just homeboy.com. Homeboy industries. Okay. So, um, homeboy industries. Yeah, homeboy org. Um, there's a lot of information on there. Um, there's a shop as well, so you can get stuff that's printed there. Um, you can also look in the show notes. There'll be links to the books as well as the website. Yep. And, um, you know, was there anything else that you wanted to just put out there for, for, you know, for whatever, I mean, any other comments or. No, this is good. Thank you. It's been a real honor to be with you too. It's an honor to be with you, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Stay well. Thanks Thanks for listening, everybody. Good friends, collaborate on.